Hello and welcome to another podcast from the London Institute of Banking and Finance. Uh, I'm joined by my regular pod folks. So this is John Somerville, uh, Head of Financial Services at LIBF. Um, so I'm joined by uh, Nicola Barker from SJP, Martin Clark from uh, various different firms, but uh, I, I, you know, I can never remember which firm what your firm's called. Who are you? Who do you? Who are you? What is your firm's name? Landmark IFA today, John. Landmark IFA. I'm so sorry, Martin. That's really missing me. I, I, I need to <laughs> even slap my wrist for that one. Um, and uh, and uh, David Owen from Lifetime Connect. So uh, a warm welcome to you all. And um, here we are, 14th episode. So who'd have thought it? You know, and practically every single one in a lockdown situation, but we wouldn't have it any other way, I don't think. So um, a warm welcome to everybody today. And uh, we've been just off air, we've been talking about uh, uh, sunshine or lack of it. Somebody told me the other day that this is uh, Maybember. Uh, it's not no longer a spring month anymore. This is a, this is a, a winter month. Maybember is the thing. Um, so yeah i've watched this space it's been pretty miserable unfortunately the weather um and considering we've all kind of get outside a little bit more and get a bit of vitamin d but um nicola barker all the way up there in scotland um vitamin d is not necessarily uh, abundant uh, as it stands at the moment it definitely isn't you know you're talking about may november or whatever you just said and and, and then you can you know de- minus 10 on top of that for, for, for Scotland. Yeah, we have yeah. less vitamin D facility up here, for sure. Bless you. And uh, and obviously, uh, Martin, going, getting out and, and starting your out to 5K, very commendable stuff at the moment. And so you're getting out and about a little bit more and getting out in the sunshine. How are you, how are you down uh, your way at the moment? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit like Nicola, actually. I mean, I, I'm in Essex, as you know. Isn't it, isn't, it's like Scotland. Down here at the moment, there is, uh, yeah, the, the vitamin D isn't abundant, you know, but I, I'm a big believer actually in the vitamin D thing because, uh, you, you know, you may or not, may not know, my wife's got MS actually, and uh, something if you've got MS is you have to take vitamin D supplements. And uh, for someone who's got MS, she's, she's actually a lot fitter than me. <laughs> so then there's obviously something in that tiny little pill that she takes every day because of, but no you know not abundant with it down here john uh, no. uh as we said we, we've sat in front of our laptops for a year haven't we now and i think we're we're all at the stage now where you know we, we need to get out as much as want to get out so uh so so there we are I think it's it's good for everybody's natural well-being, isn't it? Really, Martin, you just get out and about whatever it is. It's, as I say, it's not not necessarily the wrong weather; it's the wrong clothing. Is a is a, a popular phrase, isn't it? So, um, Mr. Owen in the East Midlands, how are you today? What's uh, what's vitamin D levels like in your part of the country? Well, do you know what? I don't know because well, all I know it's grim outside. I, I jokingly call this area Darbados, but um, it, it certainly isn't Darbados. I started the day at seven a.m. with a call. Um, with what one of the people on the call was in California and the other one was in Australia. So you can imagine, you know, they both got amazing weather and mine was terrible. Um, the only good thing is the Australians tell me they've got five cases of COVID, so they decided to shut down the country. So it made me feel a lot better. 
Yeah, but I've, I've started going out now. So I do, I do uh, a day in one of our offices on a Tuesday and a day in one of our offices on a Thursday. And I'll tell you what, you, you realise how inefficient we used to be when we went in offices. The amount of drivel, I mean, this is for us to talk about anybody is what we were talking about before then. The amount of drivel you talk about in offices, oh my God. So it's, 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 uh, it's trying to move, isn't it? moving forward now, trying try to remember all the good stuff we've learned and not forgetting it. Yeah, no, you mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go on a trip down to London for the first time in 14 months next Thursday, and I've booked out of my diary travel time to and travel time from, and I thought, well, how, how am I going to get that time back? And whereas before, you wouldn't have even given it a second thought. So all of a sudden, my time has been sucked, and I've always been very, you know, good at working on the train, and Wi-Fi is generally reasonably good and you know the trains have been pretty um efficient and certainly from my neck of the woods anyway we used uh, dwr although it's all being privatized again isn't it or nationalized i should say isn't it the, the phrase. so um so you know from that point of view it's yeah a huge amount of time out your diary really so you've got to get that back but speaking of um you know i, I went out to see a client last week for the first time and put myself on social media to say i was leaving leaving my house to go and see a client put a suit on and social media for some reason had a bit of a frenzy over that particular photograph i had two and a half thousand views um probably nearly a hundred likes and comments and god knows what else and it made me think the other day what obviously social media is our friend when it comes to sort of putting really good communication out and you know from um our, our libf we use it a lot um you know most firms do use it a lot financial advisors use it a lot and yet also it's our enemy isn't it, it it's kind of this you know the, the, the good and the bad of social media i think and it's worth having a quick chat about that i thought before we get on to the other subject of uh, uh asset protection trusts which we'll talk about shortly but I, I just found it really um a strange experience that you know we had such a lot of great comments and really good positivity around something that that, that you know would seem natural normally and yet it does suck up an awful lot of our time. Like you were saying, Dave, about those sort of chats in the office and that sort of thing, how much time that, you know, that does take up. One of the things I did find when I went to go and visit um, uh, uh, the clients over in Gloucester, as it happened, um, was that we needed the extra time so that we could talk about our experience over the last 12 months. It's crazy, really, but it was nice to reconnect. So I found that was an interesting um, use of time. And I would recommend that to anybody, by the way, if you're reconnecting with people for the first time, uh, you know, actually socially and seeing them, definitely extend that time of the meeting a little bit longer. That's my top tip for the day. Um, but um, I, I think I'll start with uh, with uh, David on this one, actually, because I know, Dave, you've had, you know, all sorts of views on social media in the past. You know, what, what, what's your view on that? Because obviously it's our friend sometimes, and, you know, other times it really does suck up our time. But, uh, you know, we can't do without it. What, what you know, what, what's the best way to operate around social media? Um, I think in short, if, if we were to start again, we wouldn't. I think that's, that would be the best way. Because you think about 2000, I'm going to hold my iPhone up to the screen here, just to show. 2007, <laughs> these things came about and apparently productivity it's got worse ever since. Now that might not be the iPhone. It's correlation, causation, isn't it? but that might not be the iPhone. But it's got to be something to do with it. You know, Facebook came up about that time. Twitter came up about that time. All that sort of stuff. And we know, we know all the bad uh, that it does. 
but we also know it, it is you you said before we came on air john about the you know the devil and the the angel on your shoulders with social media mm-hmm. i think it's interesting you know away from financial services i'm involved in a um do cycling and more running tech now reviews so that means having a website that means instagram it means twitter it means facebook and all that sort of stuff and you have to use it to get the engagement you know if for example hold up a watch up on my wrist at the moment you know a box arrived at my door i opened it up it's the very latest sunto running watch i haven't paid for it it's arrived and they want me to do a review on it and stuff like that and the only way they know I exist is because you put that content out there. Mm. And I think what you've got to have, you've got to have a tremendous filter because everybody's got an opinion. You know, some of those opinions are very dangerous. Some of those opinions are pernicious. Some of them are ill-informed and some of them are incredibly well-informed. And you've got, you've got to filter all that sort of stuff out. Mm. And, 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 and you also know at the same time, by putting that content out, you're taking something out of somebody's day because do we, you know, for example, you know, do we really need a ring on our fingers that tells us how well we sleep. No, I just go to bed at night, close my eyes, go to sleep, wake up in the morning. Well, actually, when you get to Martin and hours age, you probably get up about five times in the night. But that's another story. Anyway, so, but, you know, so I think there's that bit. And from financial advice, you know, you've got marketing companies that can take up a lot of your time telling you, you need to get on social media. You need to get this content. Don't worry, guys, we'll help you because we will do all the content and all that sort of stuff. But do you know, you know, if I think about the people I know is really successful in financial services, I don't think they've got that much of a social media presence, if any. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're just really good at engaging clients again. You know, they, they might have started on almost on the street corner, stopping people and engaging them in a conversation. And they've grown a client bank from there. Um, so I think, I think, you know, yeah, it's good. I mean, one, one thing I would say, just sorry before I shut up, is... On Facebook, there's a, I think it's Phil Calvert uh, hosts a, uh, a Facebook page for advisors. And it's blooming brilliant, you know, because as, as a resource for finding out good stuff, it's fantastic. And everybody on there seems to be very collaborative and, 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 and well-balanced. And I think that's one of the things you do see. And you think that that is flipping brilliant. But yeah, so yeah, in summary, angel and devil. Phil Calvert is a marketing expert. So for anybody that's not engaged with Phil, I highly recommend listening to him. He really has a huge amount of stuff to say, good and you know, good and bad on social media. Um, and also, he also runs um, the Financial Advisor Rocks um, Facebook page as well, which he invited me to. Uh, we were both on a conference a couple of weeks ago and he invited me to it. And it is just brilliant. So um, if Phil, if you ever listen to this, um fantastic thanks for inviting me to do that it was just tremendous so um if you do get a chance to engage with phil though he's an absolute guru and in fact what i might try and do is get him on one of these pods actually it'll be superb to get him on because get his views views on that sort of thing um and then uh, you raised an interesting point as well around sort of you know what are you looking at and it's an interesting thing that there's a lot of people that do an activity and then end up reading about that activity more, spend more time reading about the activity than actually doing the activity. So, for instance, if you're if you're learning a musical instrument, or if you run, or if you cycle, um, cycling is a good one. And people will spend hours and hours and hours looking at cycling gear and buying cycling gear and going to cycling shops rather than actually cycling, which is right. a bizarre thing. But that's true, isn't it? Yeah. And so yeah. you just think, well, are we doing that with? Are we just reading and reading, and reading for reading's sake, and actually not? Uh, spending time with our clients which is what uh, maybe 
um, is time getting sucked up, if that makes sense. I don't know, but that's certainly, you know, a, a point, really. Um, Nicola, I'm going to come to you now. Mm. So, obviously, um, and interestingly, from a, from a corporate point of view as well, it's interesting, mm -hmm. because you're coming from St. James's place. Um, it's, um, yeah, social media. How, I mean, how, how, how do you cope with it over in, uh, in corporate mm. land? You know, um, well, it's interesting because uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter were, were not even on St. James's Place's radar a year ago. Even, you know, we weren't allowed out with LinkedIn. We weren't allowed, if you like, to, to you know, have a, a, a Facebook page for, for business. And that changed. And, and it's interesting, Dave, your, your comments around, you know, that, you know, people don't need it or some you know established businesses don't need it where I I've seen it from the other angle where it truly does add value so you guys know that you know I, I work with the academy so new entrants to the industry establishing themselves then client acquisition is, is always key and social media used in the right way has proved invaluable but I stress in the right way meaning you've got to be in it you can't dabble in it you know you've, you've got to be invested but then equally John um, to pick up on your point about it takes so much time it shouldn't do if it's set mm. up right so so interestingly conversations I have and I'm not a social media guru by any you know description but I I deliberately went out and and learned got somebody marketing to show me and it's about getting the basics right so if you get, you know, your message, how you want to be perceived, right? Whether you're specialist or generalist. So the messaging, first and foremost, and then to be organized, meaning that the, in theory, you, you should only be spending an hour a week on your social media. And our, our guide is be selective in your content. So something about business, something about you, so the authenticity, authenticity if I can say it from a personal perspective and something that perhaps of note so you're not bombarding what you post is is sort of relevant and reflective of you as an individual um and then think about campaigns you know if you post a material what are your campaigns and whether it's tax year end whether it's you know I don't know mortgages whatever you want you know however you want to appeal to but the fundamental thing for us and what we um what we like to measure to see what value it's adding to somebody's business because you can post on social media and you just post or you can do it from a business aspect whereby you measure your starting point of well how many clients or how many followers did you have versus the fruits of your labor at the end of say a quarter then how many more followers have you got as a result so it's that you know so it is quite interesting how I'm coming from a, as, as a bottom up, starting from scratch, whereas Dave, your, you know, your aspect is kind of from those who are already established. And I don't have enough information to kind of give that view about established to sort of, you know, uh, agree or disagree. But yeah, so that's how we view it in my world. It's fantastic, Nicola. I, I have to say, I mean, it's interesting, as, as you quite rightly put it, the, um, um, the, the, the difficulty comes from measuring the output what is it you're actually getting from it? I think that's, you know, that's the key. So if you're going to be in it, what, first of all, what's your objective? 
to begin with, before you start into uh, this sort of thing, um, how do you know if it's going right or wrong? And um, what is the outcome? Mm -hmm. What are you actually getting out of it? And is it worth mm -hmm. spending the time on it? As you say, quite rightly, you know, it shouldn't take huge amounts of time, but are you getting what you put, mm -hmm. the effort going in? Is it worth what's coming out the other end, I think? And how do you measure it? Do you know, you know, and interestingly, is it number of views? Is it number of likes? Is it number of, um, in, you know, new um, contact engagement? And you get new contacts and you actually to them and all that sort of stuff so it's, i think it's a, it, it's a can of worms no no question I, I know marketing teams of big corporates have obviously got this sort of thing nailed haven't they where they can measure you know what somebody does when they click through and what that rate is and where it goes and who you know what what do they click on to all that sort of stuff and beyond me honestly mate, we've got a marketing team who does a really good job on that sort of stuff mm. um, but the yeah that, it's a really interesting point actually what are you what is it you want from as an output Martin, you've been sort of in the wings there listening to all of this. What's your view on it all? I think um, <clears throat> there's two sides to social media, isn't there? There's, there's personal and professional, right? And, uh, you know, if I, if I think about, I mean, all my friends will tell you that my personal side of social media is practically non-existent. I'm genuinely uh, not really that interested in things like Facebook and Twitter and, and whatever, purely because... Uh, you know, uh, I, if I use Facebook at all, genuinely, I probably use it for one reason, and that's uh, that's because I'm a member of a, a reef fish tank website, right? <laughs> and they're a very, very big group, and you go on there to find out what's the next fish you should put in your tank and why your corals are dying and stuff like that, right? So that's a... Um, uh, and there's, there's another chap on there, a motivational chap that I used to go to school with, and he uses a phrase quite a lot. He says, if, uh, if you want to have a happier life, then you should learn how to mind your own business. <laughs> so basically, you know, and he, he, MYOB is what he puts after everything. And, and, and he says, you only ever get really upset if you're interested in what anybody else is doing or you're interested in what they've got to say about you. He said, other than that, you have a very happy life. So mind your own business, right? And, and that's, uh, that's, that's very sharp. Just watching Dave doing his filters. I have a very good day. So I, I, I'm genuinely a big fan of mind your own business. I tend to find if I spend too much time on social media, the only thing it does, some something or somebody will wind me up. Right? So yeah. I'm too short for that. So, you know, so a lot of the time, I'm, I, I wouldn't put something out there where I didn't want anybody's opinion. What's the point? But that's what a lot of people do. They use social media very provocatively to start a discussion that they know is going to cause a problem. Uh, so, you, you know, it's a, that's, that's the personal side of social media. Um, but also, I, I think if we look at what probably crosses over personal and professional is where on earth would have people have been throughout lockdown if they didn't have things like uh, Headspace, for example, as an app, you know, all the mental health good work that's been done over lockdown. You know, people, people could have found themselves sat at home with nothing to reach out to. And I think, uh, you know, that's where social media really has come into its own is over lockdown because it's made people, you know, it's given people the opportunity uh, to investigate how they can have a better quality of life inside as well as outside. You know, so doing, the, you know, meditation, that sort of stuff. I don't know if any of you lot do it. 
But, you know, actually, there's there's a lot to be said for what social media has done in that way. Professionally, you know, Dave said there are a lot of companies that are very, very, very successful that don't have a big social media presence. Uh, Landmark, who I work with, is one of them. You know, we genuinely haven't got a, a big social media presence. We've got the simplest website ever because it wasn't there for advertising. It was just there where people can get in touch with us if they need to. Um, we've got a very big client bank, you know, that sort of thing. But I think certainly from financial advisors' point of view, when they move around from company to company, as they do, you know, it's the constant merry-go-round of financial advisors, this sort of industry. Um, the, you know, things like Facebook and whatever are a great way of their old clients finding them when they move, aren't they? You, you know, so you've got Facebook, you've got LinkedIn, you've got those sort of things. And the amount of times, you know, advisors join our firm, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, within a fortnight, loads of their old clients have found them. And, you know, nobody's had to chase them. They've just found them on Facebook and got in touch with them. So definitely angel and devil. But the devil to me is far more if you take any notice of what anybody else says about you. A bit like when people put loads of comments on you going to a meeting without having a haircut. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Whereas I've had nothing but ribbing about it, it has to be said. You always... <laughs> Yeah, point note for self, always get a haircut before you post. <laughs> or don't turn sideways, media. John, so as people can see you in the photo. Yeah. The thing I don't want to do is show the bit on top, mate, because it's a little bit thinner than it ever you ever uh. was. <laughs> <laughs> it looks all right if straight on, but honestly, <laughs> solar panel back there. Uh, that's a really, really brilliant balance view. Dave, you put your finger up for a second just to say you may have you look yeah, like it's, it was Nicola said actually I was making notes like mad when Nicola was talking. She's of course spot on. But what one one thing I was thinking, I think this is the thing about social media we can get confused in, can't we? Is if we're putting doing the output, you know, which is all that stuff. If anybody who's didn't listen to write down what Nicola said, scrub back on this and write down what she said about getting your social media posts right. I think what it's really easy to do is, for example, let's say your interest is fish you know, guppies or whatever that Martin gets up to in his own personal time. And then and then what you do is you get on all these forums. You could spend the best part of your time just interacting to people. It doesn't generate revenue. So if we got really brutal about this, going back to Martin's bit, we should only do social media. If, if I'm doing this activity, is it going to generate me revenue? If it isn't going to generate me revenue, then get off it. Now, obviously, what you do in your own time is something else, but I think... In your time to generate income, look after your family, generate a business and all that sort of stuff. I think that, that's how we should treat it. No, I, I, I couldn't agree I, with you more. Yeah, sorry, Nicola, again. No, I, I was saying I couldn't agree with, with Dave more in, in, in that respect because, um, you know, one of the questions I ask is like, right, okay, when was the last time you cleansed your LinkedIn um, connections like you know why have you got your thousand people do you really need to get, and it's being you know it's that so it, and it's picking up on the point of day it's like so because is that con conducive to your business or when it comes to your your Facebook groups or what you know again it's that you know so if you join a group why is that so what's it going to do for you is it going to potentially open doors is it a, you know an area of influence there's all of these things and but it, fundamentally there's got 
to be a why behind everything that you do. Otherwise, it's not a business. You know, it's just a Facebook page, for example. So it, yeah. it, I, I couldn't agree with you more there, Dave. Perfect. Guys, that was a, such a, a brilliantly balanced um, conversation. But I think, you know, to, to, to sum up, having this understanding in your own way, what, what's professional, what's personal, what you want to put into it and what you want to get out of it. And, and also, as you say, I like that idea about cleansing your, your, your data effectively as well. I must admit, it, it, on a personal level, um, you know, I've, I've got huge number of connections on LinkedIn, um, you know, we find it useful. But whenever I see, it's very, very rare this, by the way, but occasionally you'll get something political and that's where I draw a line or anything that is um, um, affects diversity or ethnicity or any of that sort of stuff. If I find that offensive, then they, they, I will remove that connection. So I just don't, that, I don't see that as being the point of social media and certainly not from a professional business point of view but personally I wouldn't accept it anyway um so that I thought was quite interesting you know and, and doing doing that sort of thing as I go along it's just a little tip that I've sort of picked up over the years um but yeah I, I I'm so glad you've really helped me as well personally because I you know, like I said the angel and the devil were sitting on my shoulder when I was talking about this initially and I was kind of having a dilemma as to what you know what 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 how do I move things forward when, you know, my connections with uh, social media and what could I be doing? And I think hopefully that's helped a few people who've listened to this um, so far. Yes, Dave. I'll tell you one, one, one scary thing just for anybody just to think about is, is just be very, very careful what you do on the internet. Now, it seems an obvious thing to say, but we, we have a client within the group that on behalf of big corporates uh, uses publicly uh, available information to profile recruits. Mm-hmm. And when you see what I was shown one of these example reports yesterday, and when you look at it, so you saw somebody, so they said, this person's like a really upstanding, there's no names on there, but this looks like a really upstanding person, like a great recruit, but they scanned their, scanned their uh, information and what it was, it, you know, so for example, this might be on page 20 of Google or something in LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever. They, they got the fact that that person had said bad things about previous employers, examples of nudity in their social media, and examples of sexism and racism. So straight away, people can get themselves deselected mm. from, from jobs just through one, obviously it's a borrowed behavior, you know, appearing anyway. But, Absolutely. but, you know, I'd just say, you know, just be careful now because, you know, what we might've done when we were 17 months upon a time, you know, doesn't catch up with us now, but for, for future generations, it, that's always going to stay with you. Absolutely. There's a blueprint. There's a there's a blueprint there, isn't there? So thank you for that. That's great. Um, we're going to move on to the next subject we want to talk about today, um, uh, which. Um, yeah, uh, so we, we are um, we, we had a little chat as a group um, in between all of these podcasts. I, we, we tend to sort of send each other emails about issues and things that go on. Uh, and um, one of the things we picked up on, which was quite an emotive subject and, and hopefully will, you know, is something that uh, um, our listeners will pick up on here is asset protection trusts. Um, so they started a conversation uh, the, other, uh, the other day um, around actually, you know, how unfair these things are, but, you know, how they're getting set up in a non-regulated way and how it affects advice across all uh, walks of financial advice, whether it be it equity release, be it mortgage, be it 
financial advice and the, the real difficulties it fa you know advisors face on this. So, Dave, do you want to kick off with the example that you you came across, um, which was uh, to do with uh, I think it was um, I can't remember what, what you called Mr. and Mrs. Uh, so and so. I can't remember. Anyway, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. So, so I think, do you want to? Yeah, I think. Also, it, it, it's gone on from there, which is a bit like me, because it, it's trust in general. Because if, you, if, you, if, we, if we start at the beginning, remember years ago, you know, uh, Nicola will remember this. I was probably one of the people who used to go to her and say, why don't you do more gift and loan trusts? They're great. He's a nice, nice little sketch. You know, she's nodding her head. Now, do you, here's a question for you. Does anybody know of a bond company that hasn't been bought out by somebody else? Have, have a think about that. If, if you've been around for... You know, looking at Martin, even though he's using his tan filter, you know, we've, we've been we've been around forever. So 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 you, you imagine if, if you right at the start of your career and you carried on looking after the same clients, you did, let's say, a gift and loan trust plan. And you put a bond in trust. I'll tell you what, try and get the information on that flipping plan now and try and do something for a client because it's likely to be with some Frankenstein company who's got one person who worked for the original company working in an office, dealing with all these inquiries, and is the only one who understands anything about it, and they're working on old legacy systems. Nightmare. That would have been in trust. And at the time of putting in trust, it was probably for a very good reason, and circumstances move on. But, of course, we know once stuff is put in trust, um, it isn't always as straightforward, because what seems to be somebody's circumstances at the time obviously change. I'm actually getting to the point now in my life where I'm thinking, well, if, if you want to give stuff to people, just bloody give it to them, you know, like just, you know, and, and it shouldn't be an excuse to sell something. So, for example, if we look at asset protection trusts in the world of, um, you know, solicitors, et cetera, what the problem it causes for obviously a financial planner when, when it isn't joined up, I, I, what I would say is I think when things are joined up, you've got solicitor account and financial planner working together. It's great. But where things aren't joined up, what you've got, you've got a client who's got an asset protection trust and they were sold, let's say, on the basis that, um, you know, if you look at the Duke of Westminster and um, when he died, you know, there was no inheritance tax. I don't know if that's true, but there's no inheritance tax because all the, all the family assets were in an asset protection trust. And so it's the trust that owns them. You borrow them during your life. When you die, that debt gets paid back into the trust. And then when you, um, the, the children inherit it, the assets are loaned to them. They use those assets during the life. So that even though if they got divorced, there's not a problem because there's no assets that one person owns. So you always make sure the family trust keeps those assets, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's a great story. And so why should you be any different? We can create a trust for you so you can give stuff to your kids. Your kids borrow the stuff when the kids die. Um, it goes back there. Kids borrow it again. There's no inheritance tax. It's nice and simple. If people get divorced, you're not going to get some son-in-law, daughter-in-law running off with all the stuff. It's, you know, they, they go off with nothing. And it's sold all that way. And, and also on care fees as well. You know, do, do you want the government going all this because of care fees and all the rest? And, and you know, people buy this stuff. Obviously, not going to be mortgaged. They've got to own all their assets and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it works that way. But, of course, what we, we've come across is where people people are sitting around the fire trying to warm the hands uh and they've got they're living in a two million pound house uh but they can't afford the heating and they're retired their only way out of that situation in that situation is probably equity release which we've covered brilliant 
past podcast, listen to uh, the, the one the wonderful Les Pick from Canada Life. But if what I says, the only way out of it is equity release. Now, if they've done an asset protection trust, they've got no way out of it. Now, I heard on the radio yesterday that apparently the most successful people in life are the people who bluff the most. I think we've, you know, Martin Bashir, Boris Johnson, stuff like that, you know, it's a great examples. And, and it's a great bluff to say, you could say, well, that's, that's not a problem because if you get one of these trusts, if you need equity release, you could just break the trust. It's a great thing to say, isn't it? But how do you, you break a trust? Let, let's, just, let's just step through that. And I think for me, that's the thing. They might be in context, they might be the best thing for some people. But, you know, with a broad brush, are they? And, and you know, and I say, I, I put that all trusts into, into that category. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I totally get that point. I mean, obviously, I think it was, you know, th this is the evolution of advice as well, isn't it? Over the years, you know, you take uh, advice 20 odd years ago and, you know, you had trainers and sales managers telling people, you know, you must put this in trust, you must put this in trust without the sort of um, foresight in 20 years hence, those people still have been around. And stuff's still going to be in trust, and yet it's now causing or potentially causing issues because it can it's difficult to unpick and that sort of thing. Um, now, Nicola and Martin, both working in very strongly in the trust arena, uh, have done in the past and currently. So, Nicola, I'll come to you first. Um, your views on what David said there? Um, well, you know, very valid point, David. I just think, you know, to sort of all trust... I, I think, I think for, for me, trusts are an amazing vehicle when used in the right way and when there is uh, to support an issue to be solved, for example, if there is an inheritance tax liability. So uh, genuinely, I think, um, you know, the trusts bring such a, a good aspect to sound financial planning and later life planning. I think it becomes less, um, I suppose, less effective or when the motivations are mixed up. So, you know, talk, we, we touch about the, you know, planning with the family home. Let's just use that as, as an example. So if you've got a two million quid house and that is your only main asset and you want to pass it on to your family, I think, you know, proper estate planning involving trust and the family home is an exploration but it's going to be done professionally i think when it's for a motivation where it's just trying to avoid care fees that's where it doesn't just sit right with me because you know it's the wider ramifications that that mo you know that decision at that time can then have an impact on the rest of somebody's life you know and when we were exchanging emails about this topic you know it you know if you go to somebody and say, right, do you want to give away the roof above your head? You'll say no, instinctively. But if you say, well, you know, we that you've got an issue whereby we, you know, it, it will involve the roof above your head, but done in a, such a way that that's a different conversation. So it, it's a very, um, a very emotive subject, estate planning. Mm -hmm. But what is key is, or, or trust planning, the key is you've got to get it right. You've got to have advice because if you get it wrong, it's costly to unwind if you can indeed unwind it. And, you know, the plethora of cases, legal cases 
um, that I could quote you, um, which involved just that aspect, you know, somebody subsequently changed their mind or perhaps it wasn't as they thought it was. It's just, a, you know, it's just a minefield. So, um, so, but yeah, so to go back to my point, I think trusts are amazing, but they've got to be used in the right way for the right motivations. Love it. Thanks for that, Nicola. That's really, really great viewpoint. And, and, and it is interesting, really. So, you know, I, I think, you know, knowledge is key to this and, and advice is absolutely key. And unfortunately, you know, we, we have seen various different uh, aspects of recommendations that haven't necessarily been done by the right people in the right context as well. So obviously that, you know, um, you know, but the, I, I, you know, my observations on this is that there are so many different people that are involved in with with a different point of view, which can be confusing for clients, of course. You know, especially if you're talking to equity advisor one week, um, and and you know, unfortunately, clients being clients, they'll give a, a story to one person, then a different story to a financial advisor because, you know, I talk to my financial advisor for this. Yeah my investment advisor for that and I talk to you know and of course then they get different stories so it can be a bit confusing from that point of view but of course the key to it is to deal with things properly openly and holistically with every advisor that you deal with I guess you know that would certainly help out um I'll move this on to, to Martin now because again Martin I'm sure he's got some uh, in, interesting strong views on this one as well um so what, what, what where do you want to pick that one up yeah, I, th I think I think this was probably the, the email conversation that we had where where I, I probably had the most input and because of my views are strong on this. <laughs> uh, I won't be as blunt on the podcast as I was on my email, but no. they, they've made a very <laughs> they've made a very good point early on where, where you talked about you know the best the best advice is when solicitors, accountants, financial planners all work together. And uh, you know, I, I've always referred to that as the professional triangle, you know, because that's what it is. Um and when we start to create problems is when people start to try and do each other's jobs. And, and, and that's when the issues tend to start, you know. So I, I'm, I've never been a big fan, for example, of general financial planners doing things like equity release mortgages, for example. Mm. I think equity release specialists should do equity release mortgages, you know, and, and that sort of thing. I'm even less a fan of... of solicitors not writing wills okay i'm a big fan of if you if you're going to have a will written you have it written by a solicitor purely because they've got a governing body that watches over what they do if they make a mistake you've got the law society that you can go to to get some recompense you know uh, where do you go to if a, if a will writer sort of you know make makes a mistake if you like you know well you know they've got their own club that i'm aware of that governs them but it's it's a different situation altogether so it's a that, that concerns me. Um, I'm a big fan of trusts, though. Okay, I always have been been a big fan of trusts. But exactly like Nicola says, uh, when they're written in the right way at the right time for the best of intention. Okay, and uh, you know, it's uh, we are starting to see, and we will start to see all sorts of horror stories where people have written property protection trusts, you know, to avoid care home fees and, and, and all that sort of stuff, purely because. Uh, they are written on a whim, not for the right reason, okay? So also as well, you know, we get those things written, you know, we look at trust and that sort of stuff, but we've now got so many things to take into account that can be affected by what we write. So things like, you know, the residence nil rate ban, for example, that, that people get for the inheritance tax side of things, you know, well, a lot of people don't realise that certain types of trust negate one of the residence nil rate bans if you write it incorrectly, 
Um, you know, there's there's still a question mark sometimes over interest in possession trusts as well as to what that's going to look like. And I think, you know, certainly the experience that I've had through the 30 odd advisors that we've got, the IPAs that we've got, and, and believe me, they're very well qualified individuals that we have working there. But we still get a lot of questions where wills and trusts overlap, you know, so because will planning can be very different to just to trust planning. You know, so if we write a will in a certain way, what sort of trust does that create? And it's a it's a real minefield and, and one that I think if we don't work with the, the appropriate legal people, we can we can make serious mistakes for our clients. So it is a tread carefully situation without doubt. I think it's a really I, I, all brilliant points, really. I think, you know, the, the, I think overall the learning point for any advisor listening to this and certainly, you know, um, something that the general conclusion we've all been able to come to is trusts are absolutely the right solution in the right circumstance, advised by the right people in the company of other, of the other authorised um, bodies. I have to say, from consumer protection point of view, you know, it's funny really um, how year after year something else will go wrong and you'll find that the person at the bottom of it is not regulated or not doesn't have a trade body or doesn't have something some form of consumer protection, um, which I still even now find staggering considering that, I mean, we've all here um, got a bit of experience uh, in the industry and, you know, been around a couple of years um, and we've always operated in a regulated environment. I find it absolutely staggering that clients will still go and visit somebody who's not qualified for certain bits of advice and then not then communicate that to the the fully qualified advisor that they do for other things. I find it really, you know, quite incredible. Um, so really, you know, for, for, uh, for advisors who are getting into this, I really like the idea that Martin had and, um, you know, which is this professional triangle. Uh, Martin, you've got another comment on that? Yeah, I was just going to say the one, the one point I will make that scares me even more than will writers that might not be qualified is people writing their own wills up. That, that scares me more than anything. Okay, so I'd, rather, I'd probably rather have a will writer than people writing their own wills. But I don't know. Well, what's worse? <laughs> Nicola's got a finger up. Okay. Yeah, just like it's like, please, can I say something? No, it, it's actually on going back to the topic of, you know, people erroneously placing property in trust to avoid, with the motivation of avoiding care fees. And I think you know, part to blame is the education piece that's out there and the true understanding of how means tested works, what's taken into consideration from an income perspective, but also moreover the, the capital perspective. But the, the other aspect to that is understanding how, you know, if you could have to permanently go into long-term care, how that's actually funded, you know, because depending on what it is, NHS do pay. Um, and then the understanding about your, your, your family home and the deferred payment scheme, or actually, you know, how that a house is owned, if you've got a surviving spouse and how some um, authorities will treat that, whether include it, disregard it, you know, so, it, it, it's a minefield, but there is this general lack or knee-jerk reaction, as if to say, and let's be honest, you don't know if you're going to go into care, right? You know, you, you don't know what the stats are, but is it one in five or one in six people will go into long-term care? 
and you don't know if you're going to be one of you know that one in six so how can you base a fundamental decision something significant like that on a one in six chance for example so there's a lot of you know education and lack of out there and you can tell i'm you know it's quite um it's quite an emotive subject for me, but it just, you know, if it's going to do, if you're going to do it, it's just got to be done right and involves solicitors. Couldn't agree more. Dave, you've got another comment coming on. Yeah, it's just, I was just thinking, if you take it right, right step, but the, ba the basics of financial advice, you know, protecting mortgages. So, you know, I know people try and overcomplicate that, but if we step away from, let's say, doing a quick and dirty joint life first death, and we start doing family protection. It still staggers me about the lack of stuff. If we're doing, if, if it's appropriate to use life policies and trust, the lack of stuff that's done uh, on that basis. You know, we've been talking about for years. I remember Nicola, we, you know, where, where we used to be, we always say it's the next big financial scandal, never appeared. So mm -hmm. either the life assurance companies have been very good at only insuring people who are not going to die, or that, that one's been kept quiet. But the, the, the other thing I was just going to say is the new which we, we talked about on email was the new directive on anti-money laundering that's about to hit. So it seems that guidance is still going to be there. I think it's going to be a huge opportunity for advisors that are advising clients to put stuff in trust, because if you've got to do enhanced money laundering or anti-money laundering with trustees, you might as well bring them on as a client. Uh, but also, I think that's another thing we've got to think about and fully understand. You know, there's opportunity for the LIBF educating people. What are the duties of a trustee and what's involved? So, for example, now we know under the HMR scheme now, if you've got stuff with property and trust, you've got to report on it, um, e even if it isn't subject to inheritance tax charges at this time. You've still got to report on it. There could be income tax to pay. Uh, there's going to be a lead trustee registered with the HMRC. Do, do trustees, what I'm trying to say, do trustees really know what's involved in being a trustee? So, and therefore, that's a great opportunity for financial planners to really bone up on that and to give that level of education. I know some firms do it and do really well. And, and you know, just to choose somebody to do that, it's no, it's no, it's no easy thing, is it, really, when you think about it? And, you know, I think it's, it's you know, vitally important that we, we all grasp that one. An opportunity for, for me to mention that obviously our, our level six taxation and trust qualification is out there for anybody who wants to take that. Um, and for those, that, and it's, it's a fair point really because it's getting it's a subject getting more and more complicated. And actually, you know, being educated at the sort of more level six chartered state level is you know really becoming the norm now when it comes to financial advice. If you need to differentiate yourself, and the other thing, of course, is that um, uh, much that it was quite, it was a glaring omission in the opening of parliament this this time round um the overall of the care system in the uk is well overdue as we know and of course that i think that's another one watch this space and i watch it carefully because um you know this could have an a huge impact on the plans that have been put in place for customers up until this point whatever your plans are that care system overhaul may have some big ramifications for customers going forward and actually, you know, where that fits in with the plans that you've done now with, you know, may not be right once, if, if, if the government finally get around to it, of course, but it is well and truly overdue. I think, you know, I think everybody seen that, you know, and it was very highly commented in, in not just the um, standard press, but certainly in the financial press. 
um, you know, how is it that that's kind of slipped the net? So I thought that was quite um, a poignant point of view. Um, anyway, I think we're pretty much there. So um, just one last thing to, to ask everybody uh, on wellness, certainly. Uh, Martin's mentioned that he's had his second jab. So, uh, so and not not feeling on top of the world, but you're certainly, you know, well, you're looking better with your filters anyway, Martin. So that's good news. Um, and, and I'm, I'm still on one. I'm waiting for my second, but hopefully that'll be due to Nicola's still waiting for your second. And Dave, I forgot to ask you, you had your second, or is yours coming up? No, so I'm that old. No, no, I, what I did is I, um, I found out this morning that you can rebook. So you can go on the NHS app and you rebook. They've got loads of spaces because they're trying to get people of my advanced age um, just redone. So I've changed mine for this Monday. Wow. So the second jab this Monday coming. So hopefully I don't feel as bad as what Martin says he is. But I, I, you hear all sorts of stories about if you weren't bad on the first jab, you feel rotten on the second jab, don't you? I was fine. Well, you know, Can I just point out that my local authority are being very quick off the mark, by the way. It's not because I'm old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever, Martin. Yeah, I'm sorry, but... The, 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 yeah, exactly. Whatever, Nicola. <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll do. You know, I think though, what we'll do is we'll post, we'll post a picture of everybody's profile bios on uh, on, um, on the LIBF website, and we'll let our let our um, let our listeners judge that one for themselves. What do you think, Martin? You can do that because my photo on that's nine years old. So. <laughs> Sorry, Nicola. I cut you off. Then you were going to say something. I don't know. I was just about to say, I mean, for, for me, I mean, everybody has their opinions, but, you know, um, we when I got my blue envelope through the post to say that I had my appointment, I mean, I was ecstatic. So I, I don't know, Dave, you, you've prompted me to, um, to to maybe go on the NHS app because NHS Scotland, I don't know if it's going to be the same as England, but to, to see if I could rebook because uh, absolutely, I want to look as good as Martin. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's, well, you know, it, 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 it may be a filter or two. You never know, Nicola. But I think that's you know we we'll be hopefully you know at some point meeting up. Uh, and I, I'm as I've already mentioned I'm going into the office next week. I managed to order myself um, the rapid flow testing kits. Um, so I can test myself before I go and test myself when I come back. And I have to say, I ordered that online and it was with me within 24 hours, seven tests. So if you, if you, I'd, I'd highly recommend that for anybody that's going to go out and about just to make sure that you're not just protecting yourself but protecting your colleagues as well. I think it's a really good thing to do. Anyway, with that, I shall uh, wish everybody uh, adieu. Thank you so much. So, uh, Martin Clark from Landmark IFA. Sorry, let, let me make that point one more time. Landmark IFA, um, a, a fantastic IFA in Essex. So sorry, I completely flipped. Stanford. On the They're in Martin. Stanford in Lincoln. Here. John, you're, doing, you're not doing well today. Mate. I'm not doing well here. Well, you're in Essex anyway. <laughs> we're, we're actually based in Lincolnshire, but we're all over Northampton, Norfolk, um, all that sort of way. Fabulous. There you go. What, what more? What more publicity could you wish from than that? So, Absolutely. thanks for being part of this, David Owen. Uh, Lifetime Connect. Thank you very much for attending today as well. And finally, Nicola Barton, Saint, Saint James's Place. Um, I, I bid you all farewell. And obviously, until the next time, episode fifteen coming up, and uh, we'll 
have hopefully some more banter and a bit more information for everybody when we get there. So um, thank you very much for listening and goodbye to everyone.